This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I like what King David said. He said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Amen. He said, I would rather be a gatekeeper in God's house than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. And so I am uh, I'm telling you, man, you made the right choice today. God's going to speak to you. And I'm I'm really excited uh, for what we've got going on this morning. Um, I've got a message here that God laid on my heart two years ago, but I wrote it out and I studied it and gives a revelation. The Lord really put in my heart. But then I was going to preach it one day and God was like, no, no, not right now. Get something else. And so uh, so it's kind of been on the shelf for two years. But somehow the Lord just told me now's the time that you get out there and you talk about this today. And so uh, I'm excited, man. This has been this has been building up for two years. So we're going to discuss some really good and encouraging uh, things today. If you need an outline for the message, raise your hand and the ushers will give you one and uh, and you can follow along with us. But who's who's just flat out? You're glad to be in God's house this morning, man. Man, it is good. You're out there all week long. You got people at work just puking their their negativity all over you. You got people dumping their stuff on you. And sometimes you just need to get into the father's house for a few minutes and get around your brothers and sisters, get under the word of God and let God get you ready for another week. So today is your day. So the title today is this. It's called The King Adopted Me. The king adopted me. And, and you know, a lot of us are like, yeah, that sounds kind of cool. And the reason that you have that attitude is because you don't have the revelation in your heart that you've literally been adopted by God. He literally is your father. Now, some of you are like, well, I, figuratively, I get it. I mean, yes, we're all God's children. No, you're not. not. No, no, we're not all God's children. That's a lie. Not everybody is a child of God. People that receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior and accept the free gift of eternal life and receive salvation. Those are children of God. Amen. Everybody, I believe everybody in here, the children of God, but not just every old buddy that's walking the face of the planet is a child of God because God has invited everybody into his family. But some people said, no, I don't want to be a part of that. They refused the adoption. They didn't want any part of it. And, you know, that's that's between them and God, and they'll deal with that someday. But I'm telling you right now, if you really had the revelation that you've been adopted, what if? Okay, so right now the richest man in the world, whether you like him or not, is Jeff Bezos, okay? Uh, the the he's, uh, he's in charge of Amazon or whatever. He's worth $136 billion. That's a lot of money. That's... It's more than I have at the moment, but that, that's a lot of money. What if somebody said, hey, uh, Jeff Bezos called. He wants to actually have you just be an honorary member of his family. And he said everything he has belongs to you. Any assets, any money, any, 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 uh, just ever, it's, it's all, it, it, it's all yours. You are an honorary part of his family. Whatever you need, everything that he has, you have access to. Would you be like, okay, all right. Fine. Would you have the same attitude that so many have right now? I just said that you've been adopted into the family of God. God's your father, man. Come on. 
That should do something to you. That should excite you because, yeah, and I'm going to read a bunch of verses here. I better get to it. But you are literally an heir. You have an inheritance from Christ. And if that if that doesn't excite you, I have no idea what in the world could possibly excite you. You must be dead or something if that doesn't excite you. So let's look at a few things here. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, man. Today's a good day to be at church. Today's a good day to be a child of God. Today's just a great day to be alive. Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look at a few verses here. But, but you, man, if, if, you, if you leave here and you didn't get anything, if you leave here the same as you came in, I'm just, I, I, I'm sorry, it's, it's on you. Okay, because the word of God's being dished out today, and and I'd, I'd love to take the blame for that one, but but we're just going to put the word out there, and and if you leave the same, it's your fault. Uh, me and some of the boys the other night, we went to all you can eat lobster and steak. Okay, and we, a big Rob, wherever he's at, he ate six whole lobsters in one city. <laughs> My brother ate five, and I, between us, we ate eighty-two. <laughs> Uh, lobster tails. It was a lot of, a lot of lobster. But anyway, I'm saying, if you go to the buffet and you still leave hungry, whose fault is that? Is it the cook's fault or is that your fault? That's your fault, man. The food's there. It's been dished out. You're, it's, it's up to you. And so, how is it that some people go to the buffet and they, well, I don't know, that just didn't really do it for me. What? Yet other people leave like I did. I mean, if one more ounce of food touched within my realm, bad things were going to happen, okay? But how is it that some people leave church like it changes their life? It lights them on fire and they're ready to go tackle. And then some people leave. Well, did this guy get a different word than this? No. The same word was delivered to everybody. The same worship songs were sang by everybody. But it's up to you on how you're going to receive it. It's up to you. If you leave hungry, if you leave, not, if you leave the exact same way you came in, I'm sorry, but that's on you, man. The word of God is being dished out. The, the, the praise of God is being sung today. It's up to you, man, if you're going to be a receiver and if you're going to let God change your life. And I promise you, if you'll give him a crack at you, if you'll give God a shot at you, he will change your life forever. But it's up, man, it's up to you. Romans 8, verses 15 through 17, it says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Come on! You've been adopted as God's own daughter, as God's own son. You're the real deal. Now we call him Abba Father, Daddy. And it says this, For we... For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we're to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Now, I want you to look here at verse 29. Flip down a couple of verses to verse 29. Check this out. It says, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And so, Brett, what does all this mean? Well, it says that God is our father uh, by adoption. And I'm fine with that. Hey, I'm good with that. God is our father. And then it says we've got a big brother named 
Jesus. That's his son. He's just the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He's just the firstborn. Then there's a whole bunch of us. Right. I've come from a big family. I know some of you do. Well, hey, there's the firstborn, but then there's a whole bunch of others. And that's exactly what we are. And and you, you know, you just get out of this what you can. But listen to me. God's the father and Jesus Christ is my big brother. He's just the firstborn. But I'm also a son of God. I'm not the only begotten. No, but I am a son of God. You are a daughter of God and you are a joint heir with Christ Jesus, that's good news today. You're a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Look at Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4. So, well, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Galatians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 4 through 7. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7. And so, if you came in here sad, you should not leave sad today. You should leave very, very encouraged, very, very happy. And, you know, some people, maybe you've had a hard week, whatever the case is. Today is the day, man, to get this revelation in your heart. Galatians chapter four, verses four through seven. And this is exciting. This is this is life changing. If you'll get it, you'll start really seeing yourself as who you are. I know some people. Well, I'm just a no good. Nobody, man. I'm just I'm just a bum. That God somehow in his infinite, he saw, I used to be that. I'm not that anymore. I'm just an old sinner. I used to be that, man. But now, according to 2 Corinthians 5, I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so, I don't know about you, but I don't take kindly when somebody goes around calling my children names. I don't like it when they talk bad about themselves. And if you're a child of God, you think it makes God happy when you sit there putting down on yourself all day? Fat, stupid, no, I'm just a, quit talking about yourself that way. You're going to make your dad mad. You don't want to do that. You are a son and a daughter of God. And he loves you enough to adopt you. And he chose you, man. He chose you. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7 It says this, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And so there it is again. We got a couple references here that you have been adopted into the family of God. Verse six says, and because and because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. You are not a slave. You are not just some you are not just some dude. You are a child of God. You belong in his house. You belong in heaven. You belong there because God chose you. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Look at that sentence right there. Because you are his child, God has made you his heir. So what does it mean to be the heir of somebody? That means your ancestor, your father, mother, whatever the case is, they they give everything to you that that they have that they had, and and that's that's a lot to think about. I know you know it's it's important to leave an inheritance to your children, right? 
The Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children. I was thinking about uh, uh, John D. Rockefeller, okay? In 1910, at the peak of his success, he was worth $406 billion that, in, in modern day. That's a, he's the richest American ever, possibly the richest person in the history of the world. $406 billion. That's insane. And he left a huge inheritance to his children. There are Rockefellers alive today that, I mean, they, if they didn't want to, they probably would never have to work a day of their lives. They, they could just live off of the inheritance that was left to them because that's a whole lot of money that will last a very long time, right? And, 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 and as, as thankful as those people are, and, and that's good, I'm happy for them, that's great, but I've got an even better inheritance than that. Because my inheritance isn't just money that can be burned. It's not just gold and silver. My inheritance entitles me to so much more than that. I have access to the name of Jesus. He said, in my name, you could cast out devils. You could lay hands on the sick in my name and they shall recover. He said, I've given you authority, Luke ten nineteen, over all the works of the devil. Money can't buy that. Money cannot buy you spiritual authority. Amen. Money can't cast out devils. Money can't fix marriages. Money can't. And listen, there's a lot of things that money can't do, but there's not one thing that my inheritance in Christ cannot do. Covers it all right there. It covers every possible scenario that I could ever come up against. Take that in for a minute. You are an heir. You are a son of God. It's almost too much to, 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 to be able to grasp in, in one moment. But I want you to move forward today and the rest of this message, the rest of the service, but the rest of this week, the rest of your life with your head held high, not in an arrogant way, but your head held high saying, I'm, no, I'm not getting pushed around anymore. I'm a, my dad's the king of the whole world. Let some let people, I'm going to let things push me around. You're not going to see the president's son getting bullied around, getting, getting told, you know, no, 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 it's not going to happen. Why? Who knows who his dad is, right? Come on. I know who my dad is. The devil is not going to tell me what he's going to do to me. He's not going to huff and puff and blow my house down. It will not happen. He's going to have to get through my dad first and my big brother. And he's not getting through either of them. Amen. And so let's go ahead and get into this. Let's get into the real message here. And so let's say this. If you really had the revelation of your adoption, if you had the revelation, there's a few things you'd, that you would realize. Number one, you wouldn't be afraid of bullies. If you really knew who you were, if you really knew and had the revelation and didn't just say, Amen, if you really knew that you were a son and a daughter of God, People and situations would no longer intimidate you. The bully wouldn't come, take your lunch money and pop the bag and, you know, kick your butt and send you on. It wouldn't happen anymore. You said, whoa, whoa, no, you don't know who you're messing with right here. You, you have no idea. You don't want to do that. You do not want to mess with this guy, with this girl right here, because something's going to come back at you. And so by bullies, I don't mean someone literally stealing your lunch money, though, if that's the case, that could be solved. Uh, But I mean anything or anyone, anything or anyone that tries to push you around and intimidate you in life. If you really knew who your father was, you wouldn't you wouldn't be getting pushed around by bullies anymore. And Romans 8, 29. 
We read that verse. I want to read that again, and I want to read verse 31. Follow along with me. I may go fast. I don't know. Romans 8, verse 29 and verse 31. We just read this, but it says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. But then verse 31 breaks it down and says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could ever be against us? And so whenever something comes against you and you're like, oh, what am I going to do? Wait a minute. God's on my side. Who can come against me? What could possibly take me down? What could possibly go wrong here? There's no there's there's only one option. There's only one possible outcome for my life. Victory. Second Corinthians 2.14 says, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Now, some people are, well, it says that, but it says always. What does that mean? It means every time we triumph in Christ Jesus. Well, I I haven't always triumphed yet because you weren't doing it in Christ Jesus. You're trying to do it in your own self. Of course you failed. That shouldn't be a surprise. Of course, every single one of us in here has failures and times that just didn't work out. But I can guarantee you it's because we are trying to do it in our own strength, in our own intelligence in our own resources we are trying to do it because we had made some sort of a great brilliant game plan that absolutely got smashed out from underneath us then we were left sitting there picking up the pieces did god fail you speak for you but in my life every time i've done it his way 100 percent of the time it's worked out every single time there have been failures but it's if I, in review, if I look back every time, it's because I took it into my own hands. Every failure that I have had has been my fault and not God's fault. So I want to read this in the Message Bible. I've been doing that a lot lately. Look at verse 31. You just look at it on the screen in the Message Bible. It says, so what do you think? With God on our side like this, how could we lose? How could we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, Embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son. Is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? Think about that. If God was willing to put his own son on the line, what that was the best that he had. Well, you think he's going to hold back from you in other areas? God's not holding back. And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even to point a finger? Who would dare to mess with God's chosen? Who would dare even point a finger? Can you imagine, you know, we got, I don't know, say some great, amazing, strong person. I I don't watch a lot of fighting and stuff, but I don't know. Let's just say that, you know, the top UFC guy, whoever that is, I have no idea. But say his children went to your school. Do you think it would be a good idea to pick on his children? That'd be a really bad idea. In fact, I think it was in Brazil a couple weeks ago. Somebody tried to come up and rob this female UFC fighter. Did you see this? She tore that dude up bad. <laughs> it was hideous. And, but I mean, he had he came up and tried to steal her purse at a taxi, and this girl just demolished this dude. And so I'm telling you, as bad as that is, can you imagine? messing with somebody's kids that, I mean, they could just come and absolutely annihilate you. And they'd have every right to. As bad as that sounds, remember, God is your Father. 
When the devil, when somebody tries to come and punk you around and poke you in the chest and mess with you and ruin your day and steal your stuff, listen, who would do that? Who would possibly do that? But it says right here, God is for us. Amen. That's good news. That's good news today that if God is for us, who could ever, ever, ever be against us? And I highlight and I repeat that Jesus Christ is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I not only have the most powerful dad in the entire history of creation, I've got a big brother you don't want to mess with either. You don't want none of him either. You know, this is kind of a, a silly story, but uh, we, we've got some sons, and most of you know our, our boys. Just in our case, uh, the younger son is actually the tougher one, Isaac, right? <laughs> and so there was a bully at school messing with Joel, the older one. And Joel's kind of, he's kind of like pops here, just kind of laid back and chill. And, you know, I'm just, I'm a lover. I'm not a fighter. What can I say? What can I say? And so Joel just kind of takes it. But Isaac, little brother, hears that somebody's given his brother a hard time. And so little brother goes to the bully, who's a couple of grades older. He's like, hey, uh, heard you've been picking on my brother. The kid's like, so? So I, uh, it was a rainy day. He pulls the pants down and shoves them in a mud puddle, says, don't you ever touch my brother again. <laughs> and the whole playground laughs at the kid. Now, I'm not encouraging things like that, but you need to be able to stand up for your family, right? And so, and so that, he has never had trouble again because his little brother's right there in the shadows, just waiting to pants you. And so I'm not saying that you should go do that type of a thing. Uh, and he did get in trouble at school, but I was, I was in the background laughing because I was like, yes. So anyway, I'm telling you, man, you've got a father, you've got a big brother, you've got brothers and sisters all over the place. You're, you've got a family. No more flying solo. You have got a family that is for you. Amen. So second Kings chapter six, second Kings chapter six. And you need to realize that you are surrounded. I remember this movie in the 90s. Uh, you know, I'm showing, I guess, maybe so to some of you, the 90s doesn't seem very long ago. To some of you, it seems ancient. Well, to me, it seems in, in between. Okay. So anyway, in the, I grew up in the 90s, and there's this movie by the actor Sinbad called First Kid. Anybody remember that movie? It was a, it was a good movie, funny movie. And so, uh, and so it's the president's son, and Sinbad, the comedian, he's an actor, good guy. He, uh, he was assigned to be the bodyguard, the Secret Service agent in charge of the first kid. And so, I mean, he protected this kid everywhere he went. They had a security force and everything, and his job was to protect the first kid. And I'm thinking about, that, that's, that's realistic, okay? The, the children of any president, they're very well protected, and, and for good reason. I mean, if you're going to get to them, it's gonna, you're going to have to get through a whole line of people. They, they've got, they're surrounded everywhere. I'm surrounded everywhere. You're surrounded on all sides. You just can't see it. But believe me, they're there. They are there. And so I want to read one of my favorite Bible stories that I do read very often. Second Kings chapter six, verses 14 through 17. And here we are. This is a story about the prophet Elisha. And there is a king of a country called Aram that is trying to kill him because Elisha, the Lord speaks to him. And he always knows the next move 
that the armies of Aram are going to make against Israel. So he just tells the leaders in charge of Israel, hey, they're going to be coming in from the west. They're coming through this mountain range. Be ready. And so Israel always knows exactly what to do because this prop. And so the king of Aram finds out they know how, what to do because of this prophet over here. He always tells them what our next move is. So he's like, all right, fine, let's go kill him. And so there's Elisha and he has a servant with him and they send all the military force they have to come kill the prophet. So second Kings chapter six, verses 14 through 17 It says, so one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him. There's more on our side than on theirs. What? There's a million of them and two of us. And some of you are thinking that right now. I I get it. God's for me, but there's a whole lot of bills against me. There's a whole lot of people against. There's a whole lot stacked against me. And with these eyes, with your physical eyes, it looks like there's more against you than there are for you. But look what happens in the next couple of verses here. Then Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. What was that? That was the army of heaven. The the heavenly host is what that is. That's the armies of heaven. And if you could just, if God would just open your spiritual eyes for one minute today, you would see millions and millions of the army of heaven, the heavenly host, surrounding you there's more on your side than there is against you you may and you you may you may, you may not know it maybe you can't see it and, and that's why you have to walk by faith and not by sight these two things here can get you into a whole lot of trouble in life if you only rely on them these are about good for reading the word of god and that's, that's i mean come on listen to me listen to me We walk by faith, not by sight. Sight alone can kill you, man. When you, if you just focus all the time on the problem, you focus all the time, well, this happened last time. I don't know. I don't even think I want to try it again. This happened before it. And look at this is coming. This just came in the mail and, and all these people are, if that's what your focus is, that will straight up kill you. Stop and realize there's more for you than there are against you. There's more on your side than there are on their side. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Amen. That's good news for you today. And so I wish that your eyes could be open for just a minute and you could see how real the spiritual world is. That's not weird to say that there is a spiritual world that you can't see with your physical eyes, but you better know that it's real. God is real. His son, Jesus, is real. The Holy Spirit's real. The angels of God are real. And I wouldn't want to have them against me. Thank God they're not. They're for me. And they're for you if you're a child of God. And so, when we quote verses like Psalm 91, 
Okay, I'm going to look at that later today. You don't have to turn there now. But it says he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You won't even dash your foot against the stone. That's not a cute refrigerator verse. Just, well, the angels are real. You better realize that an angel, a real angel of the heavenly army is not some fat little white baby playing a harp on a cloud. You've seen that your whole, that's not an angel. I don't know what that is, but, but I'm, well, it's a cherub, but anyway, I'm telling you right now, that's not what my angels look like. You speak for you. Mine looks like Chuck Norris with a bazooka. Mine looks like you don't want to step with this man. You don't want to go there today. Listen to me. That's what mine looks like. And the angels of God's army. Man, you, you don't even realize. You don't know. They're like the Navy SEALs times a thousand, man. They are the biggest, baddest dudes. in the. I mean, they're the real thing. They're the real thing. And you think, and, and, and I'm telling you, not, not everybody in this room gets that right now. Some of you got the glazed over look. Nothing's going on behind the eyes. Look, listen to me. Some of you are really getting it. Angels are real. They're for you. They're, they're on your side. God is real. He really did adopt you. Jesus really is on your side. Whatever the problem is that you're facing today, you are not facing it alone unless you choose to. You can go ahead if you want to. See what you can do. Take a swing at it. But listen to me. You don't have to face it alone. You could go ahead and let your whole family get involved. You could let your whole family. You could let God his son Jesus you can let you can let all your brothers and sisters come and be a part of that because you got to realize when you got adopted into the family you didn't just get taken off the streets and get a look you got you got the whole family you got all of us you you got God you got his son you got all you got adopted into the family of God and that's why I like to show up to the house of God because listen to me when you're a part of the royal family you belong in the house right you belong in the house. And I'm telling you, you need to be around your brothers and sisters. You need to be in the presence of God. Can I get an amen this morning? I think that's I think that's worth something right there. Amen. And so maybe the chances are, like I said, you're not it's not some bully at school taking your lunch money, stealing your chocolate milk or whatever the case is. But there are a lot of Christians being bullied around by Satan and it should not be, that doesn't make any sense to me why Satan has is, is bullying around the king's children. I, I don't get that. You need to hold your head high and realize that you're surrounded by angels. You have Jesus as a big brother and God Almighty as your father. Take advantage of who you are in the kingdom of God. Amen? So the second thing I'm going to say today is this. If you really had the revelation of your adoption. Number two, you wouldn't be worried about provision. Got quiet on that one. I said, if you really knew that you were adopted into the family of God, you would not be worried about your needs being provided for. You would realize that you are an heir of God Galatians 4, 7, we just read it. You are a joint heir with Christ. Now, some old religious folks I know would say, yes, we're heirs with Christ, brother. 
And they always use, I, even to this day, I know religious people that just, they get this deep voice whenever they try to talk about the things of God. Yes, brother, yes, yes, it does say that. But you must know, brother, that a joint heir means salvation alone. Only. Only going to heaven. What, hold on, time out. What? Salve, you don't realize all that salvation means. Salvation isn't simply my get out of hell free card. Some people think that, well, we got saved, we're going to heaven. Man, we got to put up with hell on earth till we get there. We got, we got, every day, man, it's a fight, it's a struggle. Every day, the struggle is real. The struggle may be real, but my father is more real. The struggle may be real, but my big brother died on the cross and overcame the struggle. Come on. Yeah, the struggle's real, but Jesus is more real than the struggle. And so, salvation is not only going to heaven. Salvation is the Greek word soteria. And you can find it in Strong's Concordance, word 4991. You want to look it up? But anyway, salvation, what does salvation mean? It means welfare, prosperity, deliverance, preservation, safety. It's salvation. It means all those things. It means it means deliverance. If you need delivered from something, salvation made that possible. You don't have to be addicted to anything anymore. No substance. No looking at nasty thing. You don't have to be addicted to anything ever again. If you're a child of God, you can choose. But I'm telling you right now, salvation made the way to get out of that mess. Salvation made the way where you don't have to be impoverished anymore. That's good news, man. That's good news. That you don't have to scrape by and, and the bottom of the barrel. I mean, some people, they're, they're so far at the bottom of the barrel, the barrel's on top of them. And they're trying to get out. They're trying to just see the light of day. Listen to me. Can you imagine? What if we were walking down the street? What if, can you imagine seeing Bill Gates' son on the street corner panhandling? Come on. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine seeing Jeff Bezos or whoever the rich people of the world are, Mark Cuban, all these famous billionaires? What if you were walking down the street and you saw their son or daughter like, hey, can I get some change? I'm just trying to get something to eat, bro. Could you just get me? I'd be like, give me some money, dude. What's wrong? Are you Why are you out here begging? you got the richest dad in the world. Why are you out here suffering and have no, that doesn't, wouldn't that just, honestly, wouldn't that just confuse you just a little bit? Wouldn't that just, wouldn't that just, you'd be like, what? You of all people are out here begging for money? If there's anybody that shouldn't be, it's this guy. He's got the richest dad in the world. Why does he not have access to the resources? Is it because the dad doesn't like him anymore? Is it because the dad said, no, 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 my son, it's my will for you to starve. It is my will for you to not have enough clothing. It's my will for you to be a beggar. I would say that's the worst dad in the history of the world. Turn him into CPS or something. That's a bad dad. That's a, I mean, awful. Yet we accuse our heavenly father of things. We accuse God. Well, it must be God, 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 he's trying to teach me something. He's trying to, I tell you what, man, I've been broke and I've had, I've, you know, I've been not broke. And I, being broke didn't teach me anything at all. I hated it. It's awful. It was, it was not a blessing. 
Well, it's, it's a blessing to be in the... It's not a blessing. It stinks. I ate ramen noodles every meal for a month. It was awful, right? Tomato soup and grilled... For, for an entire... It was awful. We were in college and we didn't have any extra money. I mean, it, it wasn't fun at all. I don't look back at all and say, man, I wish I could go back to eating ramen every day. Oh, that was the bomb, dude. Missed. Man, we brought, we bought bread that was so bad, so bad. No matter, it came out of the loaf already toasted. Oh, those were the blessed days. Man, we bought cheese for our grilled cheese. I don't know what, you couldn't even melt the stuff. You could, I mean, it, it wouldn't melt. It was fake. It was awful, but I mean, it was 50 cents for, I don't even know what that stuff, imitation product, it was bad. And after a while, I'm like, I'm tired of this, man. I don't even want to eat anymore. Eating is depressing because all of it's bad. It was terrible. That wasn't a blessing. That was not the blessing of, I mean, I guess I, I did learn from it. I learned how much it stinks to be poor and how much I don't want to be like that anymore. And so I'm telling you right now, you're a child of God. It makes no sense for us to be out begging. It makes no sense for everybody else to have a better life than us. It makes no sense for everybody else, all the wicked people, to be able to buy their kids the good shoes. For all the wicked people to be able to do good things with their family, but you can't because, well, we're God's kids. Poor old God. He doesn't have enough. Come on! Psalm 35. Let's go there. Psalm 35. Check this out. Psalm 35, but I can't imagine a billionaire's kids begging for for spare change. And I certainly can't imagine God's children not having enough. That's even more crazy of a thought. Psalm 37 and verse 25. Psalm 37 and verse 25. You need to get excited about your adoption today. Psalm 37 and verse 25. I, I love my... My family on earth, I'm very blessed in that regard with my all of my family. I, I like most, the majority of my brothers are pretty good guys. But what I'm saying is this, is that as much as I am happy to be in that family, I'm even more happy to be in God's family. Psalm 37, verse 25, David said this. He said, once I was young, now I'm old. Yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. David, he's like, I've lived a long time. I'm an old man now. But I, I tell you what, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, the godly abandoned, or their children begging for bread. That doesn't make any sense. That does not make any sense for God's children to have to live like that. And maybe you're here today and that is how you're living right now. What I'm saying is this, the good news is it doesn't have to stay that way if you'll get the revelation in your heart of who you really are, of who you really, really are. It doesn't have to stay that way. And I wish you would get that. I pray that you'll get that in your heart. Matthew chapter six, you've got to see this. Matthew chapter six, you know, thinking about our heavenly father, thinking about God, have you ever heard that the streets in heaven are made of gold? It is true. That is true. But it's not just the streets that are made of gold. The entire city is made of gold. The, can you imagine that? The entire city is made of gold. That's your dad that made that. 
and he didn't lose it. There's not been a financial shortage in heaven. The lights aren't flickering. They aren't losing power up there. Heaven's just the same as it's always been. It didn't change. God hasn't hit hard times. Our economy doesn't affect the economy of heaven. But here we are, and we've got a dad that makes an entire city out of gold. And it's not just a little, we're not talking about Daggett, okay? I'm not, no, we're talking about heaven. We're talking about heaven. It's not five miles by five miles. We're talking about heaven. Alright? And, and just, just to kind of, maybe if you could possibly wrap your mind around, do you know how much gold is worth today, January 20th? I do, because I just looked it up on Google about an hour ago. It's $1,281.56 an ounce. How much does, like, even a brick weigh? Several pounds. How much would a brick of gold weigh? I'm a ton of money. And God made an entire city out of that stuff, man. And here you are. I don't, I don't know if we're going to have enough. I don't, I don't know what we're going to, I don't, I don't, talk to your dad, man. Just go talk to him. He'll make a way. He'll make a way. Whatever way he sees fit, he'll make a way. Matthew 6, verse 31. Let's get this. Matthew 6, 31. It says, so don't worry about these things saying, well, what do we eat? What will we drink? What, what, what are we going to wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly, say it with me, Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. He already knows your needs. You don't have to want, well, what are we going to eat today? What are we going to, what are we going to wear? Well, all you, all you have to do is put God first. And it says right there, He will give you everything you need. Well, well, well what do I have to do to get this stuff? You've got to seek God first. The kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek first. Can you say that with me today? Seek first. First. And then, he just give it to you. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I, I believe in hard work. We all believe in hard work. We're all hard-working Americans here, and we're proud of it. Not a thing in the world wrong with that. We should be that way. But listen to me. Listen to me. If I put God first in his kingdom, seek him first in his righteousness, he will give me everything that I need. How are you not getting that? Let me say it again. I think, is this side awake? These guys are taking the snooze over there. I said, if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he will give you, straight up give it to you, everything that you need. Is that good news today? Come on. Everything that you need, he'll straight up give it to you. That's some really good news right there. I was reading this story and I I put it online yesterday, but it was an absolutely incredible story about... And I'm talking about people that seek first the kingdom of God, okay? And if that doesn't interest you, fine. But, but there's this lady, this old, this, well, this lady, okay? I'm not going to call her old. She's 60 years old. She, in, uh, uh, she, she's in Miami, okay? And she had been a dishwasher for the Hilton Hotel there for 10 years. Refused to work on Sundays. Refused. And so they're always like, well, okay. And because she refused, she, they, they, they honored it. That was her belief. And she would not budge on it. No. So they get a new manager and says, nobody gets every weekend off. 
No. And I've had, you know, you've been told that, right? No, not, no, I listen. We'll do the best we can, but nobody can have it every time. That's not, that's not fair. And, and she's like, well, you can put me on the schedule. I won't be here. I'll be at church. And I don't, I don't worry. That's God's day. I don't do it. And that may sound old fashioned, but I believe in it. And so this lady, she refuses. The new manager fires her. Straight up fires her. It's been her job for 10 years. This little lady's from Haiti. Okay, she's Haitian. And here she is. And so she 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 does the right thing. She goes and talks to a lawyer and she takes it to court. So I just want my job back. She just won a lawsuit three days ago. For twenty one million dollars. I'm being serious. Twenty one million dollars. Why is that? She's not out trying to, she's not being, she's, she's not trying to be greedy. She's not out trying to, you know, just be mean and evil and, and vengeful. Uh, they said, well, we're proving a point right here that if somebody has a real conviction that they'll stick to, somebody that really will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that you don't mess with people like that. They're allowed to serve God and you're not allowed to not make them serve God. If you said that they could have it off when you hired them, then they can. Don't mess with them anymore. I wish I knew some people had backbone just like that. Come on. That's seeking first the kingdom of God and refusing. I, I, I worked at FedEx and, uh, and it was the peak season. That's the Christmas season. And this was 2011, Christmas of 2011. And they said, my schedule called for Tuesday through Saturday. And I'm good with that. I'll, I'll be here every single day. Never missed a day. Ever. I, one time I was in there and I, I, I was really sad. I could barely lift boxes, but I pulled myself into work because if I agreed to it, I will give you a, a hundred thousand percent. I will not be a bad employee, right? And your Christians were all the same way. If I said I'll do it, I will do it. And if, I will, I will do it. No doubt about it. I did tell, I'll never work a Sunday though, I'll tell you that right now. Don't, don't even ask me. And this is a large corporation and our hub alone. It's the second largest hub in the world for FedEx, Indianapolis. We have like 6,000 employees. Well, here it is. It's coming down a few days before Christmas. They said, we're, listen, we're overwhelmed. Everybody, no way out of it. Everybody be here on Sunday. I think it was the 22nd or 23rd. Be here. And I said, I won't be here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I won't be here. And so, and they're like, well, I'm, you're like the low, we'll fire you in a second. You know, we'll, we'll step on you like a cockroach. You're nothing to us. They didn't say that, but you could tell, like, who cares? I'm just the guy that tosses boxes on the plane. No, they, you can get, you can replace me real easy. And so I talked to one of my friends. I wasn't going to do anything, but a Christian attorney, and he's like, whoa, whoa, time out, time out. They're telling you that you have to or your job's on the line. I said, that's what they said. They said they'll have to let me go unless I do it, unless I bow down to the statue. I ain't bowing. Play your music. You dancers, you bow. I'm not doing it. I said I wouldn't and I won't. And so he said, well, and my, this friend of mine, he's a Christian attorney who specializes in employment law. <laughs> so it's just kind of convenient. So I said, hey, so... What course of, I mean, am I going to get, he's like, if they touch you, you let me know and I'll have your name on the front of this place by Monday morning. The, I, they have, don't, they don't stand a chance. Have you ever gone back on your word? 
You told, you told them you wouldn't work. I said, yeah, I told them that when they hired me. Have you ever given in and caved in even one time? Not one time. They don't stand a snowball's chance in Barstow. I mean, uh, anyway. So, so I said, okay, okay. So he didn't say that, but, but, uh, he's, so he talked to them for me and he, you know, he gets back to me. You don't have to come Sunday. Don't worry about it. You're fine. They're, your job's secure. I'm like, yes. Well, why is that? Because, and listen to me, I'm not putting guilt on anybody, I'm not doing that. But what I'm saying is this, you need to have some standards where you seek first the kingdom of God. You draw a line in the sand and say, this is an immovable line, I don't care what anybody says, I seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, everybody everybody, and everything else, this line won't move one inch. I won't, get, I won't budge on this particular area because I told God that I wouldn't. Is there anything in your life like that where you just, I mean, seriously, I, most people I know don't have anything like that. So you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to. But is there anything in your life that is just this area for God, for the sake of God and his kingdom, this area won't be touched. You, whatever you want to do to me, but I won't give an inch on that. I won't budge. You can argue with me. You can try to change my mind all day long. I won't back down on, on this. I told God yes, and I meant yes. Is there any standard in your life like that where you flat out just won't give an inch? There needs to be. If There needs to be. There needs to be some areas in your life where you've drawn a line and say, nope, I will never, ever cross that line, ever. I told Jesus, I made a commitment, and I won't do it. I swear to you, I will not move this line. You need to have some standards for real. You need to have some in-stone standards that you won't move for money. You won't bow for the money. You won't bow because your friends tell you to. You won't bow because everybody else in town's doing it. You say, I don't care if everybody's bowing to this golden statue, Nebuchadnezzar. I'm not doing it. Throw me in the fire. I don't care. I'd rather go in there than bow down and break my word to Jesus. Anyway, that's not the topic today. That's just something to think about for a few minutes there, okay? And so this verse says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Number one. Number one. And if you do that, you're not going to lose out. God's not going to say, well, you know, they, <laughs> suckers, <laughs> they, they put me for enough. Now they're not going to have any money. They're not going to have any, they're going to be, no. You do it. God will see to it that you've got every single thing that you need. Can I get an amen on that today? That's the truth. And the third thing I'm going to say is this. If you really had the revelation of who you are and what your adoption means, you would not be afraid of your future. You would not be afraid of your future. Well, what's going to happen? I don't know. If they haven't called yet. Blah, 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 blah. You, if you knew who you are and who your father, you wouldn't sit there being afraid of the future. In the book of Isaiah, one of my favorite books, the people of Israel find themselves in a, in a nightmare scenario. They disobeyed God. They shouldn't have. They turned to worshiping idols instead of their father. They should not have done that. Very, very not good thing. Well, the Assyrians came in and overtook Israel and, and Jerusalem and took everything from them. And despite all of this, even though they messed up, God still loved them and wanted them. Get that, because there's some people in here today, you live in constant guilt. You live every day of your life feeling guilty 
and less than and regretful and remorseful because of things that happened in the past. Don't you? You do. I know it. You, you feel you, you, you live every day of your life feeling unworthy and, 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 and this, this hangs over your head. And you talk to God about it. You laid it on the altar. You repented and you quit doing it. And you still feel you still it, it hangs over you. That's not right. If you talk to God and you quit doing it, you don't need to sit there feeling guilty and tormented about it every day from from here on out. God loves you, man. He's not mad at you. Even if you screwed up, these guys screwed up bad. And here God is. Guys, I just want you to come home. Just come home. I just I love you. I want you back. I want to get I, I love you. If your your kid screws up, do you say if you're a good parent, you don't say get out and never come back. I am done with you. You did this is the last time. I am done. No, obviously there's tough love, right? There's there's got to be that, but there's never a time that I'm going to say you are not my son anymore. Beat it. You're not my daughter. Get out of here. You messed up. That's it. You're not even worthy to be it. If I said that, that's that is so wrong. That is not right. There may be, you may disappoint me, but I will not stop loving you. And some of you, you sit here and doubt God's love because you screwed up last year, five years ago, 20 years ago. Listen, if you quit doing it and you talk to God about it, it's over. Quit digging up this old mess. Quit digging it up. And so here's the children of Israel. They've screwed up and God, through it all, loves them. And is like, I want you guys back. I want you to come back to me. Isaiah 65, verse 23. Check this out. Isaiah 65 and verse 23. So these guys, they were conquered by an enemy. They were totally conquered by an enemy. And maybe you feel like you've been conquered by an enemy today. Well, I want you to look at these verses and you can apply these same promises to your life. Isaiah 65, verse 23. It says, they will not work in vain. And their children will not be doomed to misfortune. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That my children aren't doomed to misfortune because of dumb things I've done. Can you say amen today? Thank God your children are not doomed to misfortune because you messed up somewhere along the way. God's better than that. He says, for they are people blessed by the Lord and their children too will be blessed. I'll answer them before they even call to me. That's a good parent right there. I mean, I'm ready, man. That's a good parent right there. You don't have to call 50 times. Please, Dad, answer. Please, please. I'm in trouble. I'm in a bad spot. I'm surrounded. Dad, I'm in a bad. They're going to get me, Dad. Please answer the phone. God's right there. Beep. Hey, what do you need? I'm here. You tell me. He, he answers before you even call. That's, oh my gosh, that's a good dad right there. While they are still talking about their needs, I'll go ahead and answer their prayers. And he's talking to people right here that screwed up and sinned and turned their backs on him. What's he going to say to us? People that have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He'll answer your call. He'll answer. He's ready for you. And the last thing I want to look at is Psalm 91. This is a amazing, powerful, powerful chapter in the Bible. Psalm 91 needs to be on speed dial. 
Psalm 91. This is a go-to chapter, man. If you if you if you wake up and you don't know where else to read, well, this is a good place to read right here. Psalm 91. But Psalm 91, and let's look at these. I think there's 16 verses in here, and I'm just going to read it. And when I read Psalm 91, I can't help it. I always put it in the first person. I always, okay, it just happened. I don't even think I can read it without doing that. And so um, I'll read it just how I do at home. But, uh, but you need to get Psalm 91, man. And there's conditions to this. But listen to me. This is good news this morning. If you're a child of God, are there any sons of God in the house? Are there any daughters of God in the house this morning? This is for you. This is for you. Psalm 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, it doesn't say those who visit, those who stop by when they got time. Those who, oh, well, we better give Dad a shout out. I haven't talked to him for a while. That's no, no, no. Those who live, they make their life there. They seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We're talking about people that are real Christians, okay? We're talking about not part-timers, not lukewarmers, not half-bakes. We're talking about people that are real, legit. Jesus is my all in all. If you live in the shelter of the Most High, you will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You can't be underneath someone's shadow unless you're up close to Him, right? And so, you live in the shelter. This I declare about the Lord. He alone. He alone. Not him plus my money, him plus my team, him plus my friend. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue me from every trap and protect me from deadly disease. He will cover me with his feathers. He will shelter me with his wings. His faithful promises are my armor and my protection. I will not be afraid of the terrors of the night. I will not be afraid of the arrow that flies in the day. Well, what if what if they get over here? What if the terrorists come over? I will not be afraid of the arrows that fly by. I will not be afraid of that stuff. Listen to me. Listen to me. Verse six. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Well, they've got the West Nile virus. I'm afraid of that. Oh, my gosh. You think I'm afraid of the disease? You think I'm afraid of of these new things going around? I'm not afraid of that. I don't dread that. I'm not afraid of it. Though a thousand fall at my side, though ten thousand are dying around me, these evils will not touch me. I can just open my eyes and see how the wicked are punished. Now listen to this. If, say if, if. You make the Lord your refuge, and if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. That's the best thing I've heard in 2019 or 18. I think even 17. I've never heard anything this good in my life. Listen to me. If I make the Lord my refuge, if I make the Most High my shelter, no evil will conquer me. Now, there's a lot of evil trying to conquer me in 2019. There's a lot of evil trying to conquer you and your children in 2019. But the good news is, if you've made the Lord your refuge, if you've made the Most High your shelter, it cannot conquer you. That's the gospel. Do you realize that the gospel 
I don't go into all this, but the gospel literally in Greek means that it's almost too good to be true news. The gospel, it's a very rare word that they even used back in that day and age because it, it's such an outlandish word that it's almost an exaggeration. No, I'm speaking the gospel. The gospel is so good news that it's almost too good to be true, but it's not too good to be true. You mean to tell me if I'll make God number one, I don't got to worry about all this stuff. I don't have to worry about the plagues. I don't have to worry about the evil knocking on my door. That's exactly right. Because it cannot conquer you. No evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. Well, what are the plagues of today? Well, one plague that I despise is divorce. And it tries to knock on every door in America. And it knocks on every door. But according to this, no plague will come near my home. Somebody say amen this morning. Man, that's good news. That is good news. He says, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. But what what if I'm at work? Angels. What if I'm at home? There they are. What if I'm out at the basketball game? No, the angels are over there. What if I'm down eating lobster at the buffet? They're down there too. They're down there too. They're ashamed of what you're doing, but they're there. Amen. And so... They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You say me, me, I will trample upon lions and cobras. I will crush fierce lions and serpents underneath my feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. Is there anybody in here today that loves the Lord? Is there anybody here that could use a good rescue? Here it is, right here. I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. Dad, I need you. Son, I'm on the way. I am on the way. Don't you worry about a thing. I'm coming. I've got your big brother. I've got everybody. They're going to be sorry they messed with you. We're coming. Amen. He says, when they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Let's give the Lord a big shout of praise today. Who could say, I am glad to be a part of the family of God. I God adopt. I'm not ashamed anymore. No one's going to tell me what I can and can't do. Nobody, no thing is going to push me around in life. I'm not begging for bread. I've got everything that I need because my dad adopted me. And he said, everything that he has is mine. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together today. This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org.